Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. The popularity of government-issued bond securities such as treasury bills and Singapore savings bonds are what we're looking at today. Uh, the popularity of these instruments soared to unprecedented heights last year. A couple of factors behind this, the higher interest rate policy adopted by the Fed and a volatile stock market had many people looking at these instruments for their attractive returns around 3 to 4% and looking at these as very attractive for the capital protection that they offer. T-bills are often recovered as an alternative to banks' fixed deposits to park your spare cash for your short-term liquidity needs. But since the 30-year high yield, 4.4% that we saw in December last year, the six-month T-bill rates have fallen steadily to 4% as of the last issuance, 18th January 2023. Today, we'll take a closer look at the latest Singapore savings bond allocation. Happened last Friday... The latest allocation attracted fewer applications than what was on offer as the fiscal product's 10-year average return fell below 3%. So, to close a look at that February tranche of the SSBs uh, backed by the Singapore government, by the way, $447 million in applications for a $700 million allotment. And so we're going to ask, what explains the waning interest in Singapore savings bonds amongst retail investors. And how much of your money should you put into Singapore savings bonds or treasury bills if you want to beat inflation? Elijah Lee is Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. Good morning, Elijah. How's Friday looking? Good morning. Yeah, Friday's looking good, yeah. That's good to hear. Okay, let's talk about Singapore savings bonds and treasury bills. Do you think... In the eyes of the retail investor, these are still attractive instruments. Well, I would say for sure the Singapore Savings Bond is starting to look probably a little unattractive in the eyes of the retail investors. One thing is, of course, as you mentioned at the start, uh, we saw that the subscription rates were very much lesser than previous issues. In fact, uh, I think the, the February issue was undersubscribed, right? So I think anyone who applied could get everything they wanted to get. And uh, it doesn't help that actually the March uh, numbers are out. I'm not sure if you've seen them. The March SSB 10-year returns is actually even lower than last month. It's about 2.9% over 10 years compared to last month, which was 2.97. So, of course, uh, I feel that um, this will dampen a bit of enthusiasm for uh, SSBs. It is interesting to know one thing is that I do see that a lot of people are chasing, in a way, short-term returns, which is understandable because yeah. if you look at T-bills and, uh, you know, the FDs that are still giving around 4%, people want that. But because, you know, it looks so attractive, like one more percent over the SSBs. But sometimes we also need to remember that the SSB is a 10-year instrument. And so you got to look at it in a different way compared to fixed deposits. But on one, on another hand, I do think that, you know, with so much uh, interest over SSB and T-bills over the past six to eight months, since the rates mm. have been improving, 
uh, I got a feeling, okay, but, but I, I don't know how true this is, I got a feeling that uh, people have pretty much used up uh, quite a fair bit of the cash, uh, and so they may actually, you know, like liquidity may, may be drying up, so that's why you don't see so many uh, applications as well. Personally, if you ask me, uh, I mean, I still have liquidity, but I definitely have felt like all my cash draining out into my into SSBs, which is where I've been parking my money for now. Yeah. Into SSBs? Yep, I've been bugging the SSBs. Uh, okay, um, my view, but of course this is just because it's my situation. Yeah, um, yeah. I do think that personally, if you were to give me, uh, okay, the best FD I found uh, is from one of the banks. Uh, you open online CIMB and then I think you get 4.2% over 18 months. If you can call me 18 months. But mm. I asked, I found myself asking the question, after 18 months, what's next? Because after 18 months, I can... I'm pretty certain that interest rates will have started to fall. Uh, although I don't know how far they have fallen, but they have started to fall already because mm-hmm. the Feds have already slowed down their rate of increase. The most uh, recent increase was 25 basis points, right? They do indicate that um, there will be there will still be more increases, but it will not be the extreme 75 basis point jumps that we saw last that year. We saw four uh, yeah, times correct. Last so, year. so it yeah. is slowing down. It's slowing mm-hmm. down. It's probably going to peak soon. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know when it's going to peak. But I do think that, you know, now that they slow things down, we, we probably can expect that they should peak sometime in Q3, Q2, Q3. I don't know exactly when, but after that, uh, the Feds will have to start to drop it already because it's hurting everyone across the board, right? So if I were to start an 18-month FD right now, FD will only mature in July 2024. And by which time I think rates will start to drop. So my view is that if you were to give me 4.2% for 18 months versus 3% or 2.9% as the latest SSB maybe, and you're giving me the average of 2.9 over 10 years, if I don't need this money, and I don't, that's why I'm using SSB, if I don't need this money, I would rather take 2.9% for 10 years. That's my take. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Now, for the beginner investor just listening in, right, and they're thinking, well, how do SSBs adjust? They are subject to adjustments, right? Correct. So the uh, average return of the, the SSB over 10 years is supposed to match the 10-year FGS bonds, the 10-year government bonds. So interestingly, uh, some of my clients have asked me, hey, how come the rate dropped? And I said, actually, if you go to Google, you just uh, Google for the 10-year government use, you 10-year bond government use, you can actually find those use on Google, they will link you to some website. I'm actually looking at one right now. The latest 10-year yield is actually 2.9%, 2.908, which actually explains why our SSB is 2.9%, because the product itself is structured to supposed to give you that 10-year yield if you wait for 10 years. But the trade-off is that SSBs right, have a step up built into them, which means that they cannot start at a high rate and then drop. They must start low and go up, which is why we will see that uh, all the SSBs, especially in a few recent months, the SSBs, the first five to six years, right, the, the coupon payout is exactly the same all the way because they couldn't start high and go low. They start flat and they hold flat and then later they step up approaching year 10. So it is possible to get uh, information on like roughly what you can expect the SSBs, the, the use to be like, before the, the data comes out. In fact, if you look at the 10 years government bond use, right, they have come down since uh, the high which was actually in October last year, where we saw about 3.5%. So, okay. You know, while yeah. I'm going to ask you about the basics <clears throat> of investing in Singapore savings bonds, but sure, for sure. now, should one apply for this month if they say, okay, this month is worse than the month before? So, you know, what do you use to determine whether or not you're going to go in? Okay. So, for me, first thing is, of course, do I have spare cash? 
Okay. So uh-huh. if you have set cash over and above your emergency expenses, you can actually put this in. In fact, I also put a portion of my emergency rainy day funds inside. For one very oh. simple reason, the SSB has one feature that almost any other instrument cannot match, which is, okay, it's a combination of features. The first part being the fact that it's capital guaranteed, so I know I'll never lose money. And the second part being that I can take back anytime with a bit of notice. So you can redeem your SSBs. You just need to give notice. And at most, you wait about a month. And then you get your money back. So, you know, I, I keep some spare cash in liquid form in the bank, but I can always park the rest in SSBs, squeezing out this 2.9%. Because right now, even... Um, the banks are, you know, they're giving high interest rates on their savings accounts. But as I mentioned, once interest rates start to drop, those will come down as well. So I would first see, of course, uh, going back to your question is how much packet I have. I'll keep some in liquid form. The rest I could actually put in SSB just to squeeze a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. So whether it's a Singapore savings bond or a treasury bill, how does one decide which instrument works better for me? Mm. So, okay, so for T-Bills, I actually gave this advice to one of my clients recently. He's looking at renovating his house, right? Okay, so the situation is quite specific. His daughter is actually taking PSW this year. So he said he didn't want to, you know, disrupt things. He would renovate towards next year. So I told him, look, go go apply for the one-year T-Bill. Okay, you know you need this money, but you don't need this money now, and you only need it one year later, you might as well squeeze it in the one-year T-bill. Or a one-year fixed deposit, whichever flows your boat. So in the end, I think he chose the fixed deposit because the rates were slightly higher than the T-bill, the previous T-bill auction that he saw. Because we saw that the T-bills actually slipped down to about high trees. Lah. Yeah, so FDs was still giving four. So between T-bill and SSB, I would say that T-bill is really money that you absolutely have no need for in the next six uh, months to one year because if you need that money it's going to be an absolute pain trying to get it out it is, there's almost no liquidity so that's for where I will park Tibula and personally I would just want to max out SSB first due to the flexibility and the longer horizon that I know I get but decent rates not the best but decent rates for 10 years which is always my preference over a good rate but only for one year or even just six months so after I've like maxed out SSBs, I haven't lah. But after I maxed out SSBs, I'll probably uh, look at T-bills for for my spare cash if if I still have any and if the rates are still good. Yeah. Elijah Lee, we will hand him our money any day. Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities, chatting with us about T-bills and Singapore savings bonds. I understand all my guests don't have a crystal ball, but where do you think the rates could go from what you're seeing in terms of the macro trends? <coughs> Okay, I do think that the interest rate hikes are probably going to peak soon, as I mentioned earlier. I do see also that the 10-year SSB rates right, will probably hover around this for a little while longer. And actually, beyond the next three to six months, I don't think that uh, SSBs will be as good as, say, T-Bills. But once interest rates start to come down, your SSBs will definitely outperform T-Bills, in my, in my view, especially when we look at SSB as a long-run instrument. So... If it's really short term, I feel that SSBs can still be considered if you don't really need the money, as I mentioned, for 10 years and you, you, you want that liquidity. So SSB is in a very unique position. Right? But for T-bills, personally, I, I do... Okay, I, one interesting thing is that I do see a lot of people start to put their CPF OA money into T-bills, which is something that really? can be... Yeah, because you can't use CPA-OA money to buy SSBs, right? So you, you, you can look at the TBUs because you are able to squeeze out a little bit more from your usual 2.5% on the OA. So if 
you 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 know you really want to maximize your your money. I would think that putting some of your own money in T bills right now can probably squeeze out a little bit of a better return. Especially you look at the one year T bills, uh, one year and and six month T bills both you get better than the two point five that OA gives you. Uh. So that is one place that T bills can still have uh, play a part. Yeah. And do you have to repay yourself the interest you would have earned if you just left it in the OA if you? move it out to T-bills the way, you know, if you buy a house oh, no, and you, you use your uh, OA, you got to pay you yourself interest. Only if, you buy, <laughs> only if you buy a house. But uh, one thing to note is because OA interest, right, they are calculated monthly and if you move out, the month you move out your T-bill, okay, you, yeah. you will lose that little bit of interest during that one month. So, okay, you move out your money, right, you, you could lose, mm. you could, you CPM will calculate based on your lower OA balance for Anywhere from seven to eight months. So the U on the TV has to be a lot better than 2.5 for you to invest your OA in TVs. Yeah, correct. To make sense. There's, there's mm. a little bit of maths, but I don't think maths comes across very well over radio shows. So, so I'll just say that if someone did do some calculations. The TV use has to be better than around 2.7 to 2.8 for you to start mm. to think about moving your OA into TV. Oh, but of course, okay. we know there are three plus percent now, so it's fine. Yeah, it's totally fine. Last year, was it last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Seven in fact, now, now TVs, they're still like high trees. So you want to put your OA in there, it's actually okay. Assuming again that you don't need it for anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and for so, a lot of people, OA is sacred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I had a client move up about, uh, he's retired, but he was looking at it. He asked me, I said, well, you could do it. And he, he just moved about 500000 into of his OA money into uh, T-bills. So for at that level, I think, you know, he, he does squeeze out a couple of thousand more, which is still yeah. money. Yeah. Mm. And he's about 55, so he can take out any time. So, yeah, he's retired. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes Correct. a difference. When we think about fixed income instruments, are there any other options that listeners can anticipate short-term, mid-term, long-term? Okay, so there are retail fixed income instruments that are available on the market. Last year, Fraser launched a fire retail bond, and I think it was paying around 4%. So that's reasonable. The difference, of course, is that Fraser doesn't have the credit rating of our government. So yeah. uh, you have to understand the issuer of the fixed income, right? So in the case of SSBs, TPUs, all that, it's our government. So we know it's, it's very, very safe. Okay, If the government collects, I think we have very big problems. But for the Fraser's bond, that is a fire one. And the issuer is Fraser. So you got to ask yourself, am I comfortable mm-hmm. with Fraser's as the issuer? How is their uh, fundamentals as a company? Uh, do I feel that they will be to repay my principal in five years' time. So I think that was, that was around 4 plus percent, which is actually quite attractive if you're getting it for five years, right? So the thing to note is, of course, I would say that that kind of money, you now must be mentally prepared that you might lose it. Okay, I'm not, I'm not saying that phrases are default, but it is no longer issued by the government, so you are putting your faith in that one company. Yeah, so that is one, those are probably one of the things that retail investors can look at, but on a little bit, if we're talking about larger amounts, I'm not sure you heard this one, UOB had perpetual securities issued earlier last month as well, and I think mm-hmm. it was 5%, 5 plus percent. So that is a very good rate, but having said that, it's a perpetual security, which means that those instruments need $250,000. So not something that anyone can just put their money in. Usually, it will be for those accredited investors and retail uh, institutional investors. Yeah. And you have to not need your 250000 till 2028. Okay, you could sell perpetual securities, even the phrases one. You can sell it on the open market, but then you'll be subject to 
price. So you have to see what the price you can get is. La. Whereas for, okay, T-bills, you also can sell, but it's very hard. There's almost no liquidity. SSPs, you're guaranteed to get back. Yeah, so you could actually put in that UOP security. But I would say it's not about whether you need your money. It's more like how much of your portfolio is that 250000 So for most people, I would think 250000 will be a large portion of their portfolio. Mm-hmm. So this kind of corporate level type of bonds, I would think you will want to do that only if you have a seven-figure portfolio overall. Then one bond wouldn't be more than, say, 10 to 20% of your portfolio. No, I'm not saying, again, that UOB will default, but, you know, it's, it's not about the risk management and how you allocate your money. So don't dump everything into one basket, as they always say. There was an interesting article that said you shouldn't invest in Singapore savings bonds or T-bills because you can't beat inflation. What do you say to that? Okay, if you were to look at it, then my question would be, what are you going to do then with the money if you're not putting in debt? <laughs> so every time we say you shouldn't do this, then actually the next what's thing the alternative? Is, what's the alternative, right? So so if you're going to leave it in your bank account, you're not going to be in relation either. So so my view is, even if you're just barely keeping place with inflation, at least you're doing something with your money rather than not investing it. So for example, like many high interest saving accounts, they have a cap, right? You you get the bonus interest, but it's only on the first. 7500000 Your money beyond that, that's not beating inflation. And if you park that money into T-bills, into Singapore savings bonds, I think at least you're doing something with it rather than, you know, letting it rot at 0.05%. Yeah. Nobody wants to let their money rot. Yeah, no that one just goes to against correct. the whole yeah. basis of the show. <laughs> okay, help <laughs> us understand for the basic investor, do they need hmm. somebody to help them when it comes to buying an SSB or a T-bill? Um, is there a distinction between, you know, using cash or your savings to buy these things and maybe using your OA to buy these things? Would you need more help right. there? Okay, actually, it's actually a straightforward process. Uh, I will share one thing. On Sunday, I was uh, with this client. Actually, she had got a retrenched, unfortunately, but she found a new job already. So she's asking me what to do with the retrenchment package. She is a first-time investor. She has never invested at all. So actually, this made, this I, I told her, look, why do you follow what I did when I first started investing? And to the listeners out there, actually, my first investment was uh, Singapore savings bonds many, many years ago when it first launched. So I told her, look, go and open a CDP account. You can do that online with your ThinkPass. Once that's open, it's linked to your internet banking. You can apply for SSPs already. So it's uh, done through your uh, internet banking portal. I, I think it's quite a straightforward process, so it should not be too hard. For TVs, again, you can also use our internet banking portal. And in fact, DBS just became the first bank that allow you to apply for OA, using OA money for TVs as well through the internet. Uh, banking portal. Previously, for OA money, you had to go down to the bank. So, uh, I don't think it's actually very hard, especially you're talking about SSBs, which you can use either cash or SRS to invest. TVs have the added option of using your OA. Mm -hmm. Most of it is quite, it will probably be done over the internet. (laughs) I I think COVID has made all of us, you know, translate into a kind of like um, a hybrid world of of working from home. There's a lot of things you can just do online. So, you just need to set up your TDP account, you can apply for SSBs already. For mm. T-bills, same thing. And then, of course, you want to invest your OA money, you've got to have a OA investment account as well. So that one, all that can be opened up online. So it's not too hard, but it's just that there is a sequence of steps you need to follow, starting by opening your CDP account first if you don't have one. That's the yeah. first very important yeah. step. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that, Elijah. You have to open that. Yeah. If not, you can't do anything else. So, <laughs> so uh, she, she, uh, that, that client of mine, she's a little um, fuzzy about this, but I told her, look, open your CDP account. When I meet you again in a week's time, it should be open. Then I will guide you to apply. 
Yeah. Fantastic. So well, thank you for that, taking... I yeah. think it should be quite straightforward. Yeah. And did she apply? Do you know? Oh, uh, she, she, I haven't met her again the second time. So, it, it was okay. just like five days ago I met her. She opened her CDB account in front of me. So, I know at least I know that process. It should be open by now. I'm meeting her soon <laughs> and then I'll actually just guide her through the SSB application process and I told her to put a little bit first. Uh, I think as a beginner, this kind of investments are good for her because she knows she won't lose money. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't so, so like I think I think that. the reassurance for for a beginner investor is there, You know, you, you you just jump straight into the stock market, you can get badly burned, especially you have no investment experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Sound advice. Always great speaking with you, Elijah. Have a great day ahead, and thank you for being with us. Thank you. Elijah Lee, Financial Services Manager from Philips Securities. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Thank you for your company. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.